0: Symphony of Shadows, Luce Spenta L'Ombra More. Homecoming, Phrase (music) 1. Captain Scully twirled the drive from finger to finger as she sat in the council room with Waruje. They were joined by a few select specialists that they were able to find on board. There were few true scientists on Providence beyond what was necessary to keep the pseudo-planet functioning. Mechanical and electrical engineers, botanists, barbers, and a smattering of others. It was some luck that Providence employed a physicist, Erwin Planck, who was necessary for maintaining the reactor. He was joined by a molecular biologist, Maxine Chitsanga, and a photonics engineer, Nikolai Gould. There were a variety of fruits that lay before them on the table. Scully pulled an apple from the bunch and took a bite, still twirling the drive in her other hand. She had never met the three, but Warujay seemed familiar with them. They'd been given time to explore the drive's records on the strange crystal. Scully and Warujay had done their own digging but once they discovered scientific findings, it was clear they were out of their depth. Well, don't leave us in suspense. What is it you've discovered? Scully asked. None of them were forthcoming. Out with it. Something that defies all notions of physics in the known universe, began Dr. Chitsanga. Even theoretically, what we have seen here is an impossibility. Teleportation, added Plank and this form should not be possible. Well, Doc, it seems possible enough to me. Is it really that different from how the gates work? It is entirely different, continued Plank. Gate technology is achieved through the manipulation of gravity. We fold space in on itself and create a passageway between the folds by puncturing a small hole using gravity. We essentially create a shortcut between two defined points. In this way, the laws of physics are not broken. The stability of the matter is maintained, and there's not technically faster-than-light travel, and the delicate fabric of space is preserved. This, he pointed to the drive, what you've shown us is true teleportation. Well, Doc, put it in terms we can understand. An immutable law of physics, Cut and Gould, is that nothing can travel faster than light. It is the speed limit of the universe— Scientists have struggled with the practical theory of teleportation because by its definition, it would allow faster-than-light travel. Quantum teleportation only serves as an entanglement between two atoms or photons across a significant distance, and even that only refers to the direction an atom is spinning. It is the transferring of information, not matter. Something as complex as a ship? Or a human body? It's... The margin of error is too high continued Chetsongna. Assuming there was some way to transfer matter through quantum entanglement, one atom out of place would have catastrophic effects. Somehow, these crystals act as a perfect translator between particles and photons, said Gould. Once activated by a concentrated light source, the crystal converts mass into light. Each crystal is entangled to another, so the converted light is communicated to its partner crystal, and it's translated back to matter. Or at least that's the best we understand it thus far. I don't care about any of this shit. Just tell us how we can get back to the Constellation Sector. Do we just need to find that huge crystal Nox towed away and pump it full of our cannons? It's not that simple, said Plank. The researchers conducted many experiments, and it appears there's a complex relationship amongst crystals. For one, when a crystal is shot with a laser, the matter surrounding it isn't teleported to the closest or even the largest crystal. Instead, the matter is transported to a mother crystal of sorts. For example, Plank grabbed a clementine from the bowl of fruits and quickly discarded the skin. Here is our crystal. Now, let's say we remove a slice and place it over here. Plank put the orange wedge on the opposite side of the table. And let's say that this is the Constellation Sector. Now, over here, he took the remainder of the Clementine and placed it in front of himself, as where we are now. When the smaller wedge was shot, we were transported to the larger piece. Do you see the problem if we were to shoot this? He asked, as if he was some Aostan professor. Scully understood, though, and could not help but answer. He wouldn't return to the smaller slice. She lifted the clementine, but wherever this one came from... Exactly, nodded Plank, which we all must assume is this new Gaia the chart alludes to. Shit. So even if they find Nox in the crystal, it won't help. Scully threw her hands up in frustration. Perhaps, but there is hope, said Gould. There were a few promising experiments we discovered. "'Apparently there's another way to connect the crystals.' "'Tell us,' said Warujay, who had been quiet until that point. "'The secret is in the laser,' continued Gould. "'A laser has two primary variables that define it. "'If you imagine light as two connected waves, "'the first factor is the distance between the two waves, "'or the wavelength, and the second is the height of the wave.' the experimenters discovered both factors contribute to the crystal's teleportation the height of the wave modulates the area from which matter is teleported the shorter the wave the less area transported and what of the wave length asked waruje the wave length imprints itself on the crystal said gould creating a signal that allows for travel in the other direction In other words, from here, he lifted the almost full Clementine, to here, he pointed to the wedge in front of Scully. Why didn't you just say that? Asked Scully. This is easy, then. All we need to do is shoot the crystal with the same laser and it'll bring us back to the Constellation Sector. Precisely, responded Gould. A man appeared in the doorway, seemingly out of breath. Pitsaro? What is it? Asked Warujay. We have found it, he gasped through labored breaths. We found the crystal. What? The room erupted with the question. It must have, he tried to steady his breathing, broken off when they winched the thing. It's not much, but it's something. Scully jumped from her seat and approached the man, shaking him excitedly. You've done it, man. You've saved us all. Give it to me. Pizarro's eyes flicked to Warujah and back to Scully. Don't look at him. We're on the same team here. Scully opened her palm and placed it in front of Pizarro's face. Now. Pizarro looked to Waruja again. He must have nodded because Pizarro reached into his pocket and removed a shard of purple glowing crystal. He placed it delicately in Scully's hand and she held both it and the drive up close to her eyes. Her nostrils flared at the two objects. So small. Yet you have caused all this trouble. So all we need to do now is shoot this thing with a laser and we'll be back home, asked Scully. Gould grimaced. It's not that easy, unfortunately. It appears the frequency of the laser must be exactly the same as the one that hit it. Even if we could find the same type of gun used by Cybele, it would not bring us back. Perhaps we could estimate the frequency and adjust, but we may only have one try. If we got it wrong, it would merely bring us to the larger crystal that Nox left with. Or worse, there's still so much we don't understand. You're right, agreed Scully. It's not worth the risk. We'll just call Cybele back, along with Red and Woods, to the stars with Nox and his crew. Scully activated her HUD and signaled it to Radio Cybele. They'd received a message a day or so ago, but hadn't heard from them since. Captain, do you read me? There was silence on the line. Captain! Yes, damn it! Scully tried rednecks, but there was no reply. He tried members of their crew, but no luck. Warujay, can you track their ships? Warujay engaged a console in his mag chair, but his face spoke of his failure. Shit! Where are they? Did Nox. unlikely, interrupted Warujay. They are probably out of range. But they connected with us not that long ago. Is there no way for us to call them back? asked Scully. Not at the moment, responded Waru-Jay. We'll have to wait. Or, Scully tossed Waru-Jay the crystal, which he caught awkwardly. We could use this to teleport to the crystal and get the jump on Nox. "'Waru-Jay considered a moment but shook his head. Tempting, but we must trust in the others to deal with him in return. The population has calmed considerably at great effort. Any more surprises will shatter the fragile piece we've manufactured. We wait and discover whatever else we can. maru lifted the crystal and extended it toward the three scientists. Take it. You'll make more use of it than we will. If you find anything, you will contact us immediately. Pizarro. Yes, sir, the man responded. You and five of your most trusted crew are to monitor these three. They are not to speak with anyone outside of me, Scully, or yourselves— You understand? Aye, sir, he responded simply. You're the man. Follow me. The scientists knew better than to disagree. They understood the danger they were in probably better than anyone in the universe. They all rose and followed Pizarro out of the room, leaving Scully alone with Waruji. Waruji made to leave, but Scully stopped him. It's time we talked. About what? He asked innocently. You know what? Providence? The pardon? Scully nodded her head. Several shits are hitting some huge fans right now, and the mess is everywhere. I need to know if you're with me in cleaning it up. Ah, so this is your play at power. You want to lead and you wish to take Woods' offer. What if I do? This is our opportunity, Waruji, to build something truly our own. Cernois is gone, and it's best for us if he stays that way. It's only a matter of time before the Divine Republic truly attempts to stop us. This is better than what we ever could have hoped, a new start for us. Maybe I am tired of new starts, Scully. I am old, and I like the niche I've carved in this corner of the universe. Nothing would change for you, man. We all know who makes Providence run, The entire operation would fall apart without you. The only difference will be our legitimacy. Avery and Sornois, they're legends, and we would be nothing without them. But that time has passed. We are a people now. We've done something that no rebel group ever achieved. But we will become them. In name, perhaps, but they'll not be able to truly control us the Constellation Sector will be ours to govern. Perhaps for a time, but think on what we've just learned. The crystals are a secret for now, but there will be no hiding this forever, not unless we remain here forever. People will talk, and the Republic will learn, and they will rest at nothing to acquire these crystals. Even more reason to capitulate to Woods. He is one of us, and if him and the others are successful, We will bring back the larger crystal and sell it in pieces to them. We will become rich beyond imagining and an invaluable asset to the Republic. So I ask again, where do you stand on this? I stand with Providence, and I will act in her best interest. Always. Scully smiled. Well, then I will be sure to align Providence's interests with my own. If Sornois lives, Waruji added, it will complicate things. I know. If he does, what will you do? asked Waruji. I don't know. She did, but refused to give Waruji the pleasure of hearing her say it. His time is done. I will continue to try and reach Saibel, said Waruji. What will you do? Plan for the worst, and hope we catch some breaks. Goodbye, Warujay. Warujay nodded and glided from the room. Scully sat down again and plucked the clementine from the table. She removed a wedge and tossed it up, catching it in her mouth. She plugged in the drive and continued flicking through its files while she ate another wedge. Woods's image manifested in her mind's eye as her attention wandered. Scully, the drive unable to hold her attention, Shifted to a search for information on the man. She needed to learn more about this privateer from the Succession War. Their first interaction had stuck with her. His outward manner was proper and refined, but there was an edge to him. He shared her ambitions. And together, Scully finished the last wedge of Clementine and licked her fingers. Symphony of Shadows is a production of Synapse Radio. Written, produced, and performed by J.S. Rose. Follow us on Instagram at Synapse Radio and Twitter at Connect2Synapse. That's the number two. Or visit our website for all things awesome. Synapse-radio.com